Welcome to Faith this morning. I'm Tim Griffin. I'm one of the retread pastors here that get to be a part of the church and occasionally get to share God's word together. So I'm honored to be here in your midst today. Welcome those who are gathering with us online today. It's also a communion service, so be prepared for that as well there and here as God has provided his body and blood for us sinners who need that strength and that forgiveness and that resources there. How wonderful. Uh, we are celebrating Sanctity of Human Life Sunday today. I know it's usually done in January, but we froze, and it's Wisconsin. We're just thawing out now, so we're kind of back on. No, <laughs> it just works out wonderful because also Vida is here out in the, in the Northex. They do a very amazing ministry among, among uh, women in crisis and, and the needs that happen uh, during crisis pregnancies and, and all sorts of things they deal with. There's brochures and people out there. Hopefully Terry Sari will be there too. Um, and, and by the way, uh, this is the third Sunday of the month, which at faith is when we take our free will offering, our offering that comes in that isn't put in the normal places, and it goes to something special. And this month it goes to Vida to help that ministry. And... The Lutheran Church of Missouri Synod. Anybody here ever hear of the Lutheran Church of Missouri Synod? We're kind of part of that. They've offered a $20,000 matching funds for today, for today and this week. If you write out a check or give a gift, it has to go to Faith Lutheran, not to Vita directly, but you give it to Faith Lutheran and mark it for Vita, they match the funds that go to that ministry this week. So if you want to do a special gift that can make a difference, that's available for you to do as well. Next weekend is, is Memorial Day, the unofficial official day of, of summertime and change around here. Now, everyone is welcome. Anyone is welcome to our church. Anyone is. But on Friday, starting this Friday for the summer, the office is closed. <laughs> so if you try to come to church on Fridays, it's going to be closed on you. Uh, that's just. And also for the summer at our other campus, at our faith uh, campus, there is not three services, but two services on Sunday morning. Our two early services remain, but our, our last service, our normal 1040 service, is not there for the summer. Just to let you know, if you come to church, you can still do it. You can pray. You can worship by yourself, but nobody else will be there with you uh, starting next Sunday, just to let you know. And then uh, we start our no, new devotion books this week, our new series, which is uh, called Rethink, Lies That We Believe. And it's our series for the next number of weeks this summer. Starts tomorrow. Devotion books are out there. You can also access it online at our at our website, or we have a mobile app for it. There's Facebook you can tie, try to. You can scrub in many ways, but it's an amazing resource of devotion that we have there for our, our new theme that we have of Rethink. Also, um, it looks like it's going to be a nice day out there. Every day is a nice day, as I say, and, and we should appreciate it, but some we appreciate more than others. And I was told, I don't know if you know, noticed out there, we have a a 30 cubic yard pile of mulch that got left in our front yard of the church. And today at one o'clock, if you're available, we need some help moving it because we can't do it on school days really easily. So if you're available to come back at one o'clock today, we're gonna supply some pitchforks and, and shovels and even a little tractor to move things. But if you have your own equipment, that's fine too. But if you could just come back, some, some of you people who are, who are gifted and stronger than I am or, or whatever, Please come back about one o'clock today and help us get that in the right place for the sake of keeping, keeping God's uh, building and grounds beautiful. Well, that's the announcements part. Now let's get to the important part. We're here to worship, aren't we? So you want to start leading us in worship with our first song? Please, let's do that right now. Let's stand if you can to join in worship.
again we rejoice delight in the love he has shown us gratefully lift up your voice his gentleness among us will join our hearts with praise we gather in his goodness a family
I wasn't there yesterday where you were and what was going on. I can't see into your hearts and minds and know the darkness, the struggle, the pain. But God can. He knows the depth of our sins and he loves deeper. He, he, knows, he knows the struggles of our darkness and troubles and he is there in the darkness. And he's here right now to say through me what you and I need to hear. That our sins, though they are great, are not greater than his love. That our wrongs that are deep are not too deep, that he can't reach down deeper. And we're correction and change and hope and life in you and me. It is my joy, it is my honor to share with you right now in this place your sins are forgiven in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated once more. Fear that. 
who he is. The first lesson for this Life Sunday, written in the first book of the Bible, the first chapter, Genesis chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And he said to them, be faithful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it, and they will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air and all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give you every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw that all he had made, and it was very good. Our second reading today from the prophet Isaiah, the 43rd chapter, and then a little bit of 42. But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not. 
for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name and you are mine. When you pass the waters, I will be with you. When you pass the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned and the flames will not set you ablaze. For I'm the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt for your ransom, Cush and Seba in your stead. And this is what the God, the Lord says. He who created the heavens and stretched them out, who, who spread out the earth and all that comes out of it, who gives breath to his people and life to those who walk in it. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. And I will take a hold of your hand. I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles. To open the eyes that are blind, to, to free captives from prison, and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. And finally, if you would stand with me, if you're able, as we come to our gospel lesson for today. Written the gospel according to Mark, the 10th chapter, beginning in verse 13. Now, people were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them. But the disciples rebuked them. And when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me. And do not hinder them for the kingdom of God that belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, unless anyone will not receive the kingdom of God, unless they receive it like a little child, otherwise they will not enter into it. And he took the children in his arms and he put his hands in them and he blessed them. You may be seated. This is, as I say, Life Sunday. And because it is, we're going to be dealing with some very tough things today because of the world we live in. Very tough. Uh, we're going to deal with situations that I wish we didn't have to. And to start then, I'd like to have a place in our mind and heart that we can return to if it gets too tough. Can we do that? If what I'm talking about today becomes way too tough for you and you need kind of a reset, come back to these words, if you would, please. In fact, you know them. In fact, if you want to, you can join with me in them. Come back to these words, if you would. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Please, it's going to be tough things, but don't forget those words. I want to talk to children today, and if you remember my definition, what's my definition of, of children? Anybody remember? Anyone under the age of a thousand? That's where I start with. We're going to live for, how many are going to live forever? Well, thousands, nothing then, right? We're just still kids. So I'm going to start with a little children's message, but it's for everybody, okay? I want, I want to deal with this. First, I want to start with, with these two people. This was the world's largest man at the time, the world's smallest man at the time, and they were paid to be in a circus. You know why? People paid to go see him. <laughs> That's why. Which one was more important to see, the largest one or the smallest one? Well, they both got paid because they were both important, right? How about this one? Here, here's a big brother and a little sister. Which one is loved more by mom and dad? 
Which one should be loved more, big brother or little sister? We love them both with a depth immeasurable. Isn't that what it's supposed to be, right? It's not a matter of size. It's a matter they are loved by mom and dad and by God. What about this little girl? This little girl developing in her mom. Each of those time frames recorded of her growing inside her mom. At which point should she be loved? At which point should they be excited about the fact that she's there and growing? Where does it begin where we start loving this little girl? Does size matter? Does size of a person matter to God? Does it? No. The size of our God matters. In fact, your faith is directly proportional to the size of your God. And our God is infinite. And so should our faith. So if size doesn't matter to God, does the size of a person matter to you? That's really the question we're going to plumb the depths of a little bit today because it is a, it is a deep and challenging question in our time. It's Sanctity of Life Sunday. And today we're going to talk about, to a great extent, the smallest life, the smallest human life. And how it's loved. To start with that, I want to talk about Americans. There was a British journalist a number of years ago who defined Americans. I thought he did a great job. He says, Americans are defined by three things. They're defined by their work, their play, and their religion. Isn't that how we define ourselves, really? We talk about our life. What do we talk about? Our work, our play, and our religion. Well, I'm Lutheran, and, and, and I love to play golf or, or, or fish or whatever. And, 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 and we have to tell people what our job is, right? You know, I work this way or that way, and that's where the income comes from my family. That really defines what Americans talk about. But the problem, as this journalist noticed, is that most Americans worship their work and work at their play, and they just play at their religion. Is that you? Is it all about the job? Is it all about you getting some time off to, to hit a few balls into a little hole or to drop a line into a lake? or go out on a little machine in the snow, or a two-wheeled instrument to go down the road. Is that what defines you? Well, I'll tell you honestly, in my experience, these words don't really define us as much as, well, what are the words that really define us as Americans? In my experience, people on all sides of the political spectrum, of all colors and creeds of people and genders of however you want they deal with it today, they still hold these words as key. All, almost all Americans hold these words as key to defining us. And those are, we hold these truths to be self-evident. That all men are created equal. That they're endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. That among these are what? Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And that's what every side holds to. Every side points to. That we have a guarantee of life and, and liberty and pursuit of happiness. But our problem that these words define us, but they also divide us. Because we want to wait who these words apply to most. We want to choose, and we choose differently among us, who gets this life and liberty and happiness the most. Who deserves it the most? Who needs it the most? Whose turn is it to have it the most? These words are so powerful and so defined us that we've fought wars over them, haven't we? We fought a revolutionary war 
And these were the words that, that started it, the Declaration of Independence. And then we fought a war of 1812. Then, then we fought a, a divisive war in our country, a civil war, because there were people, just because of their color, who weren't allowed to have life and liberty and pursuit of happiness. And many thought they deserved it. And then we joined in other wars, in World War I and World War II, and, 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 and we went out to South uh, East Asia and, and all sorts of places where there were people who deserved life and liberty, pursuit of happiness, and they were not getting it. We have fought war over war over war as a country on that, and some of you have fought in it, and I thank you for those who served. But which one of our conflicts has the most casualties? Which one of our conflicts had the most people who became casualties? Anybody know which ones that we've been in? I want to talk about the unalienable rights to whom these words apply regarding a division in our country that has cost the lives and more lives than any other. How many casualties are there since 1973 because our differences regarding the application of these human rights? Anybody know? What the official government statistic is, is how many casualties there have been because of our definition certain people of certain sizes don't get life and therefore no liberty and no happiness. Anybody know what that amount is? Let me share it with you according to government statistics, okay? Let me, let, let me do it this way. How many of you have ever been to California? How many here love California? How many here don't care if it went down in the seed because of the new red remnant or Yeah, we got people who don't care about California, right? That's left coast place or whatever, you know. That. But there's people who live there. You know that, right? Would you believe me if I told you that the amount of casualties in this division over life and liberty has cost the amount of lives equal to every man, woman, and child who lives in California today? It's like losing the entire state, all of San Diego, all of Los Angeles, all of San Francisco, all of Sacramento, every environment, every, every individual, every man, woman, and child in, in California, gone, dead, because of this division. How many here would believe me if I said that? Well, don't believe me. It's not true. It's California and Oregon, Portland and all the environments and all the state. And... It's California, Oregon, and Washington, Seattle, and every man, woman, and child in the state. And it's Nevada. Every man, woman, and child, Las Vegas, and, and Carson City, and, and, and the entire state. And, 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 and not just that, equal to every man, woman, and child in Utah. Salt Lake City and every environment of the state. And right now, after 50 years, we are working on the state of Idaho. We have literally had casualty numbers equal to the entire western portion of the United States. Is that a lot of casualties? Therefore, whoops, I'm going backwards. There we go. How many people affected by this decision regarding life and death have to believe that abortion is accused, have to believe that it's good, 
have to believe that it's justified because the alternative is a darkness and a weight too big for any of us to handle. Who could hold on to a, a belief that they're responsible for the death of, of a child? Their own child or, or their, their girlfriend's child or, or, or their, their children's child or, or their best friend's child or, or, or whoever. That by our stance regarding life and liberty, we have taken a stance that's cost the life of millions of children. No one can own that. No one can hold on to that without, without in some manner or form, having to, to come to somebody who can tell them that there's an excuse for it. It's okay, it must be okay, it must be good, it must be justified, and I tell you, it's not. But it can be loved. It can be forgiven. God's love and the church's love has to be that deep. I think maybe right now might be a good time to do this. Is this okay? Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. And because that love is not known, because people don't understand the depth of God's ability to love and forgive and to help us in times of, of crisis and trouble, we come up with excuses. I want to deal briefly with, with those beliefs, with those excuses that people try to use to say, it's okay, it's okay, and it's not. Let's just briefly look at some of those excuses. For instance, is a fetus a person as God sees them? Is a child in the womb a human being? Well, I'll tell you, the Bible refers to children in the womb as babies in the same way it refers to babies after they're born. Same terminology, same description. Before I was born, the Lord called me from my mother's womb. He spoke in my name. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. You formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I'm faithful, fearfully and, and wonderfully made. God himself, Jesus himself became a child in the womb. He became that small. And even when he was that small, the Bible referred to him as Jesus, man and God. In fact, the first one to celebrate Jesus being here, the first person to recognize Jesus was an unborn child. Did you know that? How many remember that? What was his name? John the Baptist. Baby in the womb of Elizabeth leaps for joy. Jesus is in the womb next door in Mary. And Mary's already called the mother of our Lord, just as Jesus is called our Lord there in the womb at conception. And even in the history of the Bible, we condemned people who condemned children, innocent children to life. We, we condemned Pharaoh for killing the firstborn. We, we condemned Herod who killed all those children trying to prevent Jesus from being. And yet we lose, we take the lives of more children in one year, in one month, in, in one week's period in this country 
than Joseph, than, than Pharaoh and, and Herod were responsible for. And I've been doing so for 50 years. And according to the Bible, there's no difference between the personhood of a fetus in the womb and a child after they're born. But not just the Bible. Did you know that our government, the National Institutes of Health, in their own materials, as recently as 1989, wrote this in their official government materials, a human life may be considered a human person at fertilization? But saying it doesn't mean we do it. And then there's that every woman, every woman has the right to control her own body. Every woman, every female person has that right. Well, how many have been to one of these parties? Anybody? A reveal party? How many have done a reveal party? Have you done that? It's a boy, it's a girl. Wait, have you seen them yet? Do we do it after they're born? Do we do it after they're baptized or when they're in first grade? When do we do these parties? When they're in the womb, it's a girl. It's a female. In fact, since the scriptures establish that a preborn child is a person from conception, then the rights of a female or male should not be dependent on their location, their size, or their age. What does God say regarding our own bodies, by the way? Whatever gender we are, what does God say? He says, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who's in you, that you receive from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. The preborn child is not a part of the mother's body, by, by the way. The baby's placenta counteracts the mother's body, as would normally reject internal foreign living matter. That child in the womb has a different genetic makeup. It often has a different gender <laughs> and it has a different blood type very often than the mother. It's not just her body, it's their bodies we're talking about. What about every child should be a wanted child? Now, how many here are old enough to remember 1973? Anybody here old enough? I remember 1973. I remember the number one thing you heard in the news. The number one thing you heard from speeches was that if we have legalized abortion, we will end child abuse because every child will be a wanted child. Nobody will be having unwanted children. Now, how many say the child abuse has been wiped out of this country in the last 50 years? No, in fact, in many ways, it's been enhanced by the choosing of, of an adult's life over the life of their child. In fact, if his life designed to exist only at the convenience or the desire of another, what do we usually call it when one terminates the life of someone they do not want around? What do we usually call it? Up until 1973, the word abortion as a medical term referred to children who died accidentally or from miscarriage inside the mother. The, the word they used for taking the life of a child was the word aborticide. It was tied to the same homicide thing. It's an intentional taking of human life. Well, that's where it was. And in fact, whether the law says or not, that's where it is still today. So how does God feel about the worth of each human being? The purpose of God's coming was to save humanity from death and hell of every size, of every shape, of every location. 
For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. That is everybody. Everybody I'm talking about, all sides of this issue. Christ came to save you. Christ came to forgive you. Christ came to give you life forever. What about this? If you had known, if you had known what this means, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. If we, if we really know what's going on, we no longer condemn. Instead, we have to do other things. Well, what about this? Can you say, I wouldn't have an abortion myself, but I support the right of others to choose? Do we have that option to support wrong actions? Do we have that option? What does God direct us to do regarding others, including children in the womb? What does God say? He says, rescue those being carried off to death. Our life here is to intercede for others in need, in danger, who need love and forgiveness, which is everybody in this list. And since we don't allow freedom to take a human life as a matter of whim or personal choice, then our responsibility is to protect the life of the weak and the helpless and the innocent. What about cases of rape or incest or abnormal fetus? Does that make abortion an acceptable practice? Well, are normal people to be of greater worth to us than the innocent, than the handicapped, than the injured, than the distressed? Is the rule of thumb for life, liberty, pursuit of happiness that you are normal to be able to have that gift from God? Well, who are the innocent ones in a rape that results in a pregnancy? Who are the innocent ones? Well, is killing either victim of a rape a justified solution to this horrific crime? Killing one of those lives, does that make it better? I'm sorry, no. It adds... What about people with special needs? Why is a physical or mental abnormality not a justifiable reason for abortion? And by the way, there are certain aspects of special needs people that we have less of today. In some cases, we have only about 10% percentage-wise of children born with Down syndrome than we had 50 years ago. Do you know why? Because we test for it and we end their life before they're born. But what, God, what does God say? The Lord says to, to him, who's made man's mouth, who, who made the mute, the deaf, or the, the seeing of the blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Every person has meaning, has purpose, and not dependent upon how normal, how mentally or physically capable we are. What's he say? Keep far from a false charge and don't kill the, the innocent and, and righteous, for I will not justify the wicked. Now, if you heard no other words, there's words I'm going to guarantee you're going to hear today because we're all going to hear them. Jesus quotes himself in the Bible of what we're going to hear when we stand before him someday. He says this, he says in Matthew, and the king will say unto them, assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did this, did it to one of the least of these, you did it to me. That the worth of a child, even in the womb, to Jesus is worth Jesus, to Jesus. But the treatment of others is a matter of faith and belief and love. So what must we do about abortion and other life issues? What must we do? Well, there's something we have not been doing as a church that we are called to do. At least not been doing very well. We've been called to love the unlovely. We've been called to love 
to love those who have done sin and those who've been affected by that sin. We have been called to love unconditionally, but you know what we've become? What does 1 Corinthians say? He says, if you speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, you're only a, 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 a ringing gong, a, a clanging cymbal. And that's what the world hears from us. They say, be quiet, be quiet. You're just noise. Please stop making the noise. Because they don't feel the love. And by this, all men will know you're disciples of Jesus, that you love one another. We celebrate around here faith and hope and love. We celebrate our faith. We celebrate the hope of Easter. But we celebrate among ourselves. Are we sharing with our neighbors? Are we sharing with the people who need the message? Which Christ has us here to do. They need unconditional love, and unconditional love is forgiving. It's forgiving because it's forgiving. We're here to give away that. If we're going to stop what's going on, we have to offer love and forgiveness to those who've been part of it because they see no other escape except excuses. They see no other escape but to find other people who agree with them was okay. When people who love them unconditionally and have a Savior who can forgive them totally. And then you need to forgive yourself because there's people in this room and we've been there that have done wrong, not said, said or did, even participated in ways that, that we feel like we can't be forgiven and we can and we are by Jesus who died carrying those very sins on his arms as he hung on the cross. And we need to be a people of prayer. If my people are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and see my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sins, and I will heal their land. We need to be a people of prayer in deep, honest, earnest, tearful prayer that this might end and that we might love and forgive to make it so. We need to live and tell the gospel of life. That's our choice today. In fact, I'll return to just one more word from God, if I can, regarding that choice. This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you. That set before you life and death, blessing and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. One more time. Let's, let's sing that little song, but can we change one word in it? Instead of saying, Jesus loves me, let's sing it, but let's say, Jesus loves you. Can we sing it that way? Jesus loves you, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves you. Yes, Jesus loves you. Yes, Jesus loves you. The Bible tells me so. Amen. It is now time to take what God has given us, put it into our pocketbooks, into our accounts. And that which he said, he said we should set aside for people to know Jesus, to invest in people hearing of our love and grace in Jesus, we give that offering now. And remember, a portion of it goes to Vita today, and an even greater portion if you want to earmark a gift to the church for Vita today.
If you are able to rise, please rise. Let us pray our words of faith using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Christian church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. We bow our hearts, our heads in prayer. Lord Jesus, we didn't understand and we don't understand the depth of your love until we see the depths of our sin and are told it reaches deeper, your love does, than our sin. We don't understand the possibilities of being able to change not our past, but today and the future of, of who we are and what we can be and who is here with us and who will be there with us in heaven. Lord Jesus, you call us to life and forgiveness and you call us to be your witnesses that others might know life and forgiveness. May we be that kind of loving people today. Lord, in your mercy. We pray for those who walk in darkness and struggles today, who are in crisis because of what has happened to them or what they've done. In a darkness of not knowing how do they get out of this, how do they get through this, well, what do they do and need the answer that comes from you, a loving God, and from those who know them who love you, God, and share you with them. Lord Jesus, may we be open to sharing with those in crisis opportunities, alternatives, that means life for them, and life for children. Lord, in your mercy. And Lord Jesus, life is a struggle today. There are many who need help in body and soul and spirit. Some who are hospitalized, some who are home, some are just in need of a listening ear, a loving heart to, to come and show compassion and, and wisdom from you and direction that gives life and hope their life. Lord Jesus, may they receive that. May we be part of that to enable that to happen. There are some here who are mourning over the death of precious loved ones, past and, and, and recent. Lord Jesus, comfort that mourning by your grace and your love. The people whose lives are here, their lives are in your hand. And those who are given the gift of faith, their lives are with you forever. Lord, be with those in need and hear our prayers on behalf specifically raise up in our hearts today for those in need this day. Lord, in your mercy. And now guide us to believe and apply the words you taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, the same night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he gave thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. 
This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And it was after the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped. And when he had given thanks, he gave them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And the peace of the Lord be with you always. Now you online, you can share communion now together. And we here for a moment or two are going to share the peace of God together as we prepare to share communion. So share the peace of God with those around you. If it would please, many need it. I could just sit, I could just sit and wait for all your goodness, hope to feel your presence, and I could just stay, I could just stay right where I am and hope to feel you, hope to feel something again.
And I will be yours, oh, I will be yours for all my life. And I will be yours, oh, I will be yours for all my life, so let your mercy. If you're able to rise, please rise. And now may the strabotting blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ strengthen and preserve you through faith unto life here and unto life everlasting. Depart in peace. And truly now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with his peace and grant you forever his grace. Amen. All right, let's sing one last song. We're going to sing the song, My Redeemer Lives. It's a nice upbeat song, which is perfect because we should be rejoicing and excited that our Redeemer is alive. So let's sing this last song.
Ghost. 